Good morning, Novation family. Um, if you guys had never met Rusty and, and Kristen, man, the McClanahan's are a great family. They've actually been part of the, they were part of the founding families of Novation uh, eight and a half years ago. And Rusty and Kristen, we love you. We're going to miss you. We know God has great things for you. Um, you guys are, have been faithful to your church family and you're faithful to one another, faithful to your kids, and you're just a, a great definition of faithfulness. You were faithful to God's call when you went on the mission field. And so he's got blessings for you and your faithfulness. We love you guys. I want to begin by telling you two, two quick stories. Um, in Jerusalem, there's a place you can go to called Hezekiah's Tunnel. It comes from King Hezekiah from the Old Testament in the book of Kings, where he had the Israelites go through straight rock, bedrock, to, to move a water supply so that the enemies of Israel couldn't poison their water supply. And that is still there today. I've actually walked through it 20 years ago, walked through Hezekiah's tunnel. And I remember when you're walking, you're going about a half mile uphill and it's just rock everywhere because they dug this through straight rock and water still running, you know, ankle to knee deep sometimes. And we got to the middle and we had candles, I think at the time, and we all blew out our candles and it was pitch, pitch black. And I remember that feeling of, whoa, this is dark. This is what it really means that you can't see your hand in front of your, your face. It's crazy. I also remember when my kids were little, taking them to Cave of the Winds down in Colorado Springs. And, you know, you go see the stalactites and all the cool things that are part of Cave of the Winds. And they do the same thing there. About halfway through, they shut out the lights just so you can feel how dark a cave really is. And I remember when they shut the lights out, I'm not going to rat out which one, but one of my kids said, Dad, I farted. <laughs> and I thought, Cave of the Winds just turned into Cave of the Wind, right? It's a funny story. But light and darkness. Light is the opposite of darkness. Darkness is the absence of light. Light is an important concept in Scripture. You have literal and you know, metaphorical uses of, of light. Let's look at a few of these scriptures. In Genesis chapter 1, the very first verses of the Bible, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good, and God divided the light from the darkness. In the beginning, it was darkness, and God said, boom, turn on the lights. It says in 1 John 1, 5, this is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. God is light. There's no darkness in him at all. Then one of my most favorite passages in, in the Bible is John chapter one, the first few verses, 
Um, a d- John is describing Jesus in such a phenomenal way that if we can catch the depth of what's being said there, we get to understand who Jesus really is, that we don't have a small Jesus, that Jesus is awesome and that he holds the world. He holds the cosmos in his hands. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him. And apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. In him was life, and the, the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Jesus' life on this earth, the way he lived his life, is the light of men. It's the light of life. In God, there is no darkness at all. Jesus came to show what the light of God is, that God is light. And people don't understand because they don't comprehend the light because we're looking in the wrong places. You look at Jesus and you see the light of God. John 8, 12, Jesus declared, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Man, he's the light of the world. Whoever follows him, you and me, we're not going to walk in darkness. We'll walk in the light of life. We'll walk in his kind of life. So I I, I gave those verses to tee up what we're going to talk about today. We're continuing in this series in the book of Ephesians. Ephesians is a letter that was written by the Apostle Paul to a church in the town of Ephesus, which is in still modern day Turkey. And when Paul spent three years with them, discipling them, teaching Jesus to them, raising up leaders, and then he moved on and went and planted more, started more churches. That's how he spent his life. And he's writing them this letter to remind them of the gospel, to remind them of their roots that, you know, like any healthy tree needs a good root system to bear fruit and, and to be the, the kind of tree, the best tree it can be. We're rooted in Jesus. Paul is teaching that how rooted we are in Christ and how, what Jesus has done for us and, and who we are because of him. And so there, today we're going to talk about being rooted in light, because this is the theme of the verses that we're going to be looking at. And there's a key passage Ephesians 5, 8 through 10, he says, for once you were full of darkness, but now you have light from the Lord. So live as people of the light for this light within you produces only what is good and right and true. Carefully determine what pleases the Lord. So I'm going to go through chapter four, verse, pick up verse 17 and go all the way through 520. I'm going to do it in in, all this will be done within a half hour. (laughs) When what I saw as, as I was reading and studying for this is like, I thought to myself, I'm going to organize Paul's thoughts here. (laughs) Like he he, he doesn't need me to organize his thoughts, but you got to remember Paul didn't, didn't know he was writing scripture. He didn't know that 
you know, what he was, he was sharing the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, but he didn't know this needed to be formatted or whatever. We get a personal letter from a real guy to real people. And he was on a roll teaching them. And, and we got to remember the first three chapters, Paul, it's all about our position in Christ. Chapters four, five, and six is all about our practice as followers of Christ. How do we live out who we are in Jesus? How do we live out this new identity that we have because of him? And so we're moving from position to practice. So I'm going to, I'm not going to go just straight through. I'm going to take it, take it and take thought for thought of what Paul had here. I think you'll like it. So how do we let our light shine? That's what I've titled this. How do we let this light that is in us? Jesus is the light of the world. He told us that we're the light of the world. How do we let that shine? Makes me think of the kid's song, right? You start singing it in your head right now. The first thing I would say is learn how to live from the life of Jesus. Learn how to live your life from the life of Jesus, how he lived his life. He, in chapter 5, verse 10, he says, carefully determine what pleases the Lord. Carefully determine what pleases the Lord. If we're going to determine what pleases the Lord, we need to see how the Lord lived. And we get the pictures of that in the Gospels. How did Jesus live his life? How did he love his father? How did he love people? That's what we're looking at. How did Jesus, what pleases him, we find in studying his life. So learning how to live from him. Ephesians 5, 1 and 2. Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do. Because you are his dear children. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. Light is a metaphor for living a holy and godly life. When we hear the words holy and godly, we usually attach that to some list, a piety list. Do this, don't do that. We avoid this, we do that. And we don't want to reduce holiness and godliness to a list and reduce it to that because then, then all we have is moralism or legalism. But holiness is beautiful. Holiness is wholeness. It's becoming a whole person. We all have been broken by life. Jesus comes and he, he heals us and he, he's making us whole. So holiness is learning to think, act, and speak like Jesus. That's what it is. How, how does Jesus think? How does he act? How does he speak? It's, it's imitating him. That's what he said to do is follow the example of Christ. And so he says, determine what pleases the Lord. The word Lord equals he's in charge, right? It implies he's in charge. He's the teacher. We're the students. We are learning how to live life from him, from his vantage point. We've all been taught how to live life from someone. And we've had the world, we've had media, music, whatever it is, people have taught us how to live. But we're his apprentices now as his disciples. We're apprenticing under Jesus to learn how to live. So the fact is, we've all learned how to live from somebody, good, bad, or indifferent. That's called influence. We have been influenced on how we should live our lives 
by, by people. And our call as disciples of Jesus is to not take our cue from the world, but say, what does Jesus want? How would Jesus live if he were me? I wonder what are the biggest influences in your life? Who have been the biggest influences in your life? Jesus said in Luke 6:46, he said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? Why do you call me Lord if you're not going to do what I say, if you're not going to do what I tell you to do, if you're not going to do what I teach you to do? You know, that's, that's an important question to wrestle with for all of us. Now, when, when Jesus walked the earth, he walked in perfect alignment to the will of God. He ate from the tree of life, so to speak. The tree of life, eating from the tree of the life is, is believing that your creator, your savior actually is good and has your best in, intentions at heart and what he would ask you to do or not do. That's when we, do, we say, okay, Lord, whatever is your will, I want to do it. Eating from the tree of the knowledge of, of good and evil is, is really Adam and Eve in the garden. God said, don't do this. If you eat from this, you'll die. And they began to question his goodness, his character, his word. And so they ate of it. Eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is not believing that God is good or, or really knows what he's talking about when he tells us to do things. And we become our own boss. We learn how to live. We'll make up our own rules. We'll walk our own way. That didn't get me anywhere in the first 25 years of my life of being my own boss. It got me a lot of pain. Following Jesus doesn't mean that you're not going to ever experience pain. But without him, you're left to make, make up your own rules. And uh, I'm telling you, the best life is a life that's learned how to live from the best life that's ever been. And that's Jesus. The second thing to, to let our light shine is to learn how to throw off the old and put on the new, as Paul says. Throw off the old and put on the new. Throw off the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, as we're going to find all the things that we think make us happy or, or, or going to find fulfillment, you know, is really when it's not found in Jesus, it's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So he, Paul is saying, stop eating from that tree and learn from your new nature. He literally uses the verb, which throw off the old nature, put on the new. Here's what he says. With the Lord's authority, I say this, live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life God gives because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against him. They have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. But that isn't what you learned about Christ. Since you have learned about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Do you see the tree of life there? He says, God, he says, um, they wander far from the life God gives because they've closed their mind and hardened their hearts against him. Meaning they, 
they, they don't think God knows what's best for them. So they're going to make their own decision, be their own, their own boss. Paul is not judging them. He is just being brutally honest of what a life looks like that's not aligned with God. I've been there. I bet most of us have been there. But we got to be careful when we're thinking of people who, who don't know God or aren't walking with God, that we're not, we're not getting judgmental because the heart of God is compassion towards his creation. He wants people to come into the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And so we have to make sure that we don't do that. When Jesus saw the crowds, he was moved with compassion. He saw the crowds of sinners, it says, and they look like sheep without a shepherd. It says that Jesus was moved with compassion. They were disconnected from his life. So we throw off the old and put on the new. I've been walking a lot this year. Some days up to 10 miles. That's like over 20,000 steps, right? And the other day I went to go on my walk and I accidentally put on the stuff I had worn the day before that was kind of sweaty and gross. And I put it on and it wasn't until I was out walking that I, I noticed <laughs> the smell. And I was like, oh gosh, man, I wanted to vomit. And made me think like, that should be our response when, when we don't take off the old and put on the new, when we act like our old nature. You know, we should be like, why am I doing this? That, that same kind of repulsive feeling because we're growing in Christ. We want to behave and be people who, who model Jesus. So what are we to throw off? What does he mean, put off the old nature? Well, in this letter, there's bits and pieces all over this passage that we're in today that I just kind of put together as things that, that we're to throw off. And there's a lot of, Paul lists a lot of don'ts and just a couple do's, but most of them are don'ts. And I want you to remember that uh, Jesus said that all the laws, all the commands of God, all the thou shalt's were summed up in the great commandment to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. So as we're looking real, we're going to drive by each one of these as we're looking Look at where each one of these sins that, that Paul is saying to avoid and to not do, how really it's a lack of love. It's going to be a lack of love for your neighbor that he's saying to not do. He says, stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth, for we are all parts of the same body. Lying to somebody is a lack of love. Sometimes you have to speak the truth in love, right? Speak the truth, but do it with love. Don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. For anger gives a foothold to the devil. When you think about anger, we usually, I usually, I'll put myself out there first. I'm usually angry over something that's affected me. Righteous anger is getting angry over the same things that, that God gets angry over. And is that the answer to our anger, my anger? Usually not. It's usually because my ego was hurt or, you know, inconvenience, whatever it is. So he says, you know, 
be angry and do not sin. Then he says, if you're a thief, quit stealing. Instead, use your hands for good hard work and then give generously to others in need. Don't steal. That takes somebody else's stuff. That's a lack of love. Love is generous. Work hard. Give your stuff away. I mean, see what he's getting? That's the that's this life change. That's light. Letting light shine. Shine on the darkness. Stop stealing. Uh, let it out by giving it away. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. There's power in our words. Dads, you have the power to either build up your kid's heart or, or put a little wound on it. Moms, husbands, wives, the way we speak to one another. There's power in those words. You can be told, you know, nine positive things about you, but then one negative thing is spoken, and especially depends upon who spoke it, and it just erases all those nine positive things that are there. He says, and don't bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, he has identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. He says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Get rid of bitterness. That's being quick to forgive people. Quick to say, I'm sorry. Quick to apologize. Quick to forgive. Don't let things build up inside of you. Don't say harsh words. And discipline ourselves. Discipline yourself to, to not just you wouldn't say it to somebody's face, but don't say it behind their back. Like just, Lord, forgive me that I wanted to say what just you know, came to my mind. Then he says, let there be no sexual immorality, impurity, or greed among you. Such sins have no place amongst God's people. We did a series last year on the seven deadly sins. If you're interested, you can go back and, and listen to that. But sexual immorality in a nutshell is this. God designed sex for, for in, a, in a covenant of marriage. One man, one woman. And they're committed for life till death do they part. Anything outside of that is missing, is, is sexual immorality. And listen, we got to always remember when God is good, God is good. And when he tells us to do something, it's because he knows what's best. He's designed what's best for all of us and what he tells us to do or not to do. He says, greed, don't let greed be known among you. Greed is a deadly sin. It's the need. I got to have more, 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 more. We got to watch that in our hearts. Obscene stories, foolish talk, and coarse jokes. These are not for you. Instead, let there be thankfulness to God. You can be sure that no immoral, impure, or greedy person will inherit the kingdom of Christ and of God. For a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. Don't be fooled by those who try to excuse these sins. For the anger of God will fall on all who disobey him. Don't participate in, the, the, in things these people do. Take no part in the worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, expose them. 
It is shameful even to talk about the things that ungodly people do in secret. But their evil intentions will be exposed when the light shines on them. For the light makes everything visible. That's what we want for people who are walking in darkness. Pray that God, the Holy Spirit, would shine the light of Christ, the light of God's love, the light of God's purpose into their light. Because all of those don'ts are just, you know, a, a wrong way to try to find joy, to try to find uh, happiness. And we find it truly in Jesus. So that's all the stuff we're to take off, the dirty clothes, so to speak. What are we to put on? What are we to put on? He says, instead, let the spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God truly righteous and holy. That's what the gospel does. Jesus Christ, his life, his connection to the Father, his connection to the Holy Spirit, we're invited into that life. He's given it to us. We take it by faith and we live, you know, with having renewed minds, having our thoughts renewed. It's putting on Jesus, how he lived his life. Clothe yourself with Christ. Clothe yourself with humility. That's what we have to tell ourselves every day. And what's interesting about that list of don't, 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 the do is put on Jesus. He's the opposite of all of the don'ts that we were just talking about. And so when we put on the Lord Jesus, when when we clothe ourselves in Christ, then we're walking in the new nature that he's given us. The last thing I would say that Paul teaches us here on how to how to let our light shine, how to walk in the light is I need to learn to be filled with and walk in the spirit. When the incarnation happened, the Christmas story, when God became flesh, when Jesus came into this world, the Trinity didn't cease to exist. There was still the father there was still the son who now had taken on humanity, human flesh. And then there's the Holy Spirit. And as they've had a relationship for all eternity, a perfect relationship, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. In Jesus's incarnation, we see what a life that's aligned to the Father and led by the Spirit looks like. Jesus did everything the Father led him to do. He was led by the Spirit, had perfect relationship, Father, Son, Holy, Holy Spirit. And so God wants you and I to know we, in, in Jesus's incarnation, we can now, we're invited into that life with a, with, with a relationship with a Father who loves you deeply. He, the Father has, has a word of love for you to heal your deepest wounds. Uh, you know, walk with you through your biggest problems. A father that has perfect love. We have the son of God who, who in his humanity has tasted temptation and trials and suffering. He entered into the mess of this world and, and, and showed us what God was like. And then we have the Holy Spirit. We never want to forget the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the presence of God with us. He's the presence of Jesus with us always. Paul says, this is why it is said, awake, O sleeper, rise from the dead and Christ will give you light. 
So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but live like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine, because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts. And give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And further, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So what we have to remember when we're talking about being filled with the Spirit, it's, it's letting the Spirit control you. It's letting the Spirit stir you. I, uh, this is one of the easiest, best illustrations there is, but here's, you know, we've been filled up, and then life, we get poured out. Then we got to get filled back up again so we can be poured out again. And being filled with the Spirit, being filled with the Spirit is how you're going to get through the tough stuff of life. It's how you're going to fulfill God's calling on your life. I was thinking about this when it comes to, to, to light and being filled. In our front area of our house, we have those solar lights. And those solar-powered lights take in the sun all day long. So at night, when it gets dark, there's light. I thought, that's us. We take in the sun. We take in the Son of God, the Spirit, so that in a dark world, we can be light. We can have light for our path, for our lives personally, and we can be there to be light in this world that needs to see the light of Jesus in us. So spend time with Jesus. Spend time in the Word of God, getting to know Jesus. If you're new to, to Jesus, man, just read the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Just re, re, get to know Him. Read, a, read the Psalms. Just stay close to God. Stay connected to Him. And that's how the Spirit, as you pray, as you seek God, you get filled with the Holy Spirit and you get the power to do what you could never do on your own. You're facing something difficult today and you, you say, man, I can't do this. Well, the Holy Spirit can. The Holy Spirit, it's the same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, lives in us, we're told. So if he can raise the dead, he can do anything for us. So here's what I thought would just be a simple thing for all of us to do this week is memorize John 8, 12, where Jesus said that he was the light of the world, that whoever follows him will not walk in darkness because they have the light of life. And then Ephesians 5, 8, about walking as children of light. Would you take time and, and take, you know, one day memorize John 8, 12, and then memorize Ephesians 5, 8. And just let God stir that in you about being rooted in light. All right. I love you. And I want to pray. And we're going to uh, continue to figure out what meeting in person is going to look like over you know, the next week or two. You'll be getting more and more information. Thank you for 
those that took the time to fill out the survey, um, it's helpful information and trying to, we'll just be navigating this thing one day, one week at a time, but uh, church never closed, right? Because you're the church. We are the church. The building, we might not be able to gather at the building. The church has been open. It's open every day. So let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for the light of Jesus Christ. God, thank you that you are light. There is no darkness in you. God, I pray for anyone that's hurting right now. They're in need of a touch from you, Lord, right now. Holy Spirit, I pray, fall fresh and new. Lord, heal people who need physical healing. In Jesus' name, Lord, heal relationships that need to be healed. Heal minds, Lord. Renew thoughts. Give everyone a fresh touch of your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.